Welcome to the Knox Podcast, from the Knox Evangelical Presbyterian Church, located in Kenmore, New York. Going back to the way things used to be can be attractive. Something we are comfortable with, where the outcome, we think, will probably be better. New believers, the Galatians that Paul wrote this letter to, thought the same thing. So much so, that the Apostle Paul had to warn them that going back was wrong. In today's message, the twelfth in his series Galatians The Case for Christian Liberty, Pastor Justin reminds us that with Christ, to go back is always worse than moving forward with Jesus. Please open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 4. Next time I'm going to make the adults get up and walk around, and it'll be a good exercise for everybody. But for now I'm just going to ask you to stand. Let's read Galatians 4, verses 8 through 11. A short passage, but nonetheless, the very word of God, shared to you in your presence. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid that I have labored over you in vain. Can I end on a very sobering note? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to your, your word, sometimes it's very easy to understand what it says. Sometimes we need to really dig in and get that understanding. We ask that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts today to reveal the truth of this passage so that we can apply it to our lives. Lord, thank you for these words in your name. Amen. Please have a seat. I know it's a way off, but Halloween is coming. Whenever Halloween comes around, some of us uh, get in the mind that we want to go to a haunted house or a haunted hayride. And if you ever do those kind of, I know we're all very proper here and we would never do something like that. But if you ever did go on like a haunted hayride, You'll see signs at the beginning almost all the time, like I, I could, 19 times out of 20. You will see a sign saying, turn around, go back. You know, you turn around now, go back now. And the implication here is that what is ahead is too scary for the likes of you. You have a weak constitution. You are a scaredy pants. Turn around. Go back where there's safety behind you, where life is normal and routine and comfortable. Ahead is just too much. You could not handle it. Of course, we usually take that as a dare, right? Well, I, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going, I'm going to jump right in there and, and uh, go scream my head off. That's what I usually do. But I was thinking of that sign this week as we were reading Galatians 4. And Paul's talking about being scared about what's ahead and turning around and wanting to go back. And the other day I was talking with my son, I won't name which one, but he's telling me, he said, Dad, I want to go back to kindergarten. I said, oh, okay, interesting, tell me more. He said, well, I want to go back because it was easier back then. I would just have to, I could play with toys all day. And if they had a test, Dad, I would ace that test so bad. You know, because right now all this homework's hard. These classes are hard. I don't want to keep moving into the future where there's even tougher stuff ahead. 
I said, well, so sorry, Charlie. You know, like, you don't want to go back. Trust me, you don't want to go back to kindergarten. They make you take naps there. Uh, it would be boring after a while. But I kind of get it, don't you? Because a lot of times we, we encounter that in life. We're going forward is tough. It's hard. And sometimes we, we encounter that hardness, and we go, I just want to turn around, and I want to go back to how it used to be, back to being comfortable Maybe even like going forward in my Christian life where God is challenging me to follow him and where he's taking me, it's hard. I have to bear my cross. I have to suffer. I would rather just go back some days to living a blissful life of sinful ignorance where I was at the center of everything and all oh, those, those were the days, weren't they? So I can get why we'd want to turn around, why we would want to go back. Because maybe we think like with those Halloween signs that ahead is danger, but behind us is safety and comfort. But what Paul wants us to understand in this passage, very crucial to all of our development as ongoing, our ongoing journey as Christians, is that turning around and going back is actually the more dangerous thing to do. It's very dangerous for our souls. And we need to see that. And the Galatians need to see that. Because they don't really understand the danger they're in. See, they started to look around and look back behind them and went, we need to go back. Going back was better. Back where we were from. And so Paul says in verses 3 and verse 8, he wanted to remind them of where they came from. Because let's not forget that not too long ago, this entire church of Galatians were pagan worshipers. And so their entire life was surrounded, was revolved around worshiping gods that weren't really gods, right? They were, they were fake things, but still they worshiped them and they sacrificed to them. And even as that one verse that probably confused you why, why suddenly he's talking about the calendar, right? The seasons and the days. What he's talking about is the pagan calendar. That you used to, your whole life used to revolve around all of their ceremonies and these dates you had to observe and all these things you had to do. And you were constantly checking off lists, trying to appease some sort of vague God that may or may not have your best intentions at heart. And so that's where you came from. And right now, as you start taking these steps back into, into biblical legalism, where you feel like you have to get circumcised and you have to do this, you have to do that in order to be accepted by Christ, He's saying all you're doing is regressing back to where you came from. Because that's how you used to live. You used to live with a checklist. You used to live thinking, I just need to do more and do more and do more, and maybe my God will accept me. And so what you're doing right now is you're turning around, you're looking back, and you're worshiping rules more than you're worshiping the one true God. Man, that's a little sobering for us as Christians. Because I think there's always that temptation to worship the rules. To really go, well, I'm checking off everything. And yeah, I'm not really like the Pharisees. They went really over, overboard. I'm just sort of in that area. But it's all good intentions, right? And then sometimes we might be looking back into a time of our life where rules were far more important than the spirit behind the rules. Now, I, am, I will freely admit this now that the football season is all but over for all of us, at least here in Buffalo, that I'm the last person in the world you would ever want to explain the game of football. I vaguely know things about it, such as I can tell you there's one direction you want your team to be running down the field, all right? 
But if I'm standing there for whatever reason that Josh Allen got out sick one day, he said, I'm putting in Justin Olivetti instead. I want him to come down and be quarterback. And they handed me the ball, and suddenly I looked up and I saw a wall of men heading toward me that looked like Goliaths. I'll tell you what the big temptation would be to do. is to turn around and suddenly go the other way. Because man, I, nobody would stop me, right? I could go behind. There's nobody back there. It's safe. I could run all the way to the end zone. I'd have this ball. The other team's not going to stop me. My own team may try to tackle me at some point. But I know I could be safe running back. But how foolish would that be? We would laugh at any quarterback. In fact, we do, right? They, they get the ball and they run back and then they keep running back looking for that perfect throw. And they run back so far, they get tackled right into the end zone. And we laugh at them and we mock them and we say how foolish. Because they're not helping their team. Because they decided it was easier to go backwards than forwards. Going forwards in the game of football is tough. You have to literally fight your way yard by yard to get where you need to go. But if you are on your team, you want to help your team succeed. The Galatians should be on Team Jesus. They should be helping him progress the kingdom of God forward in the world. They should be at this point, having been trained by Paul, they should be planting churches. They should be sending their own missionaries out. Instead, they decide the best course of action is to go, you know what? We had it pretty good before. We should go back to the way we used to be. We should go back to being rule followers. And if that sounds familiar, it's because they're the Hebrews in the desert all over again. Because that's what happened with the Israelites, right? Back when they're wandering in the desert. Initially, their liberation from Exodus was from the Exodus from Egypt was great. They're escaping slavery. They're escaping death. They're given a new life, a new identity. We talked about all these blessings. They're given the law. They're following, literally following God day by day as they follow this pillar of fire and smoke. Yet by Numbers 14, they start to get afraid because they know at this point where they, they're going, with their destination, where they're going forward into. They're going forward into the land of Canaan. And they start getting reports of men who are big and burly. Here's my football metaphor all over again. Giants of men and walled cities, impenetrable forces. And they go, we can't do that. Remember how things used to be? We used to get taken care of. Those were the days, the leeks, the olives, the goat cheese, all the, that was great. And so they start talking by Numbers 14 of staging a coup, of electing a new leader so that they could do a U-turn and go all the way back to Egypt and beg for their old job back as slaves. The job that was literally killing them, that was killing their children, that had taken their identity away, that them, them as a nation were being bred out of existence because they were intermarrying with the Egyptians. They wanted to go back into that. They thought that was a better place to be than going forward to where God was calling them to go. And the Galatians feel this too. It's hard to go forward, and sometimes the temptation is to turn around and go back. We feel it. We're called out of our enslavement to sin when we're going into Jesus Christ. And initially, it's great, and you've been forgiven, and you have this new freedom ahead of you. And that's what the book of Galatians is really about, this Christian freedom that is so precious. 
But at some point in your life, you go, man, it gets hard. And I wanted, uh, I'm tempted to turn around and go back. And so I started looking at my time in slavery with a kind of perverted, nostalgic fondness. I start to get nostalgic about my sin. And we do this. And so there are times in our life, especially when we're in it, we're in those trials and temptations, and we go, it was easier when I could just say, fine, let sin have its way. I might as well not be on Team Jesus, because it was easier when Satan wasn't pushing back against me. Well, we could do that. But we need a Paul in our lives at those moments. Somebody to come into our lives and say, listen up. That was more dangerous. Going back will not help you, will not make your life any better. Sometimes when my life gets a little too complicated, I start daydreaming, starting getting nostalgic for easier times in my life. My mind goes back to probably the most carefree I ever was, was in college. Oh, that was great. Somebody else fed me. I didn't have to cook every day. And I had freedom, and I had my friends, and all this you know, stuff. So I start thinking about that, and then my mind goes, man, wouldn't it be great if I just went back right now? What if I just told the church, I quit? And I told my family, I'm just going to leave and re-enroll in college. I wonder how they would take it. Probably not well. And then I think, you know, like logically thinking it through, that the, the temptation, the allure of that to regress to a time which was better will actually not be that good for me at all. I'd be the oldest person on my dorm floor, right? I'd be taking classes I didn't need. I'd be abandoning a family that loves me. I'd be abandoning you. And I'd be going like, that wouldn't, Jesus would not approve. And I think this is exactly what the Galatians are doing. This is the temptation we get to go back but we, that's not really a choice at all because that going back puts us in greater danger. And what's worse than looking back is actually doing it. It's actually going back, regressing in your spiritual walk. It's something we hate to see. Back when I was a youth pastor, I had this, um, one of my best friends who was a youth leader with me. He saw this kid come into youth group, this teenage boy, 15 years old, did not grow up in a Christian household, had no role models whatsoever, barely knew what the Bible was. And my friend, youth leader, he said, I'm going to take this guy under my wing. I'm going to be his mentor. And he did that for years. He poured himself into this kid. He taught him there. He was always praying with him, calling him up on a daily basis. How are you doing? You reading the Bible? How's your walk with Christ? He just was this great role model in this kid's life. And you saw this kid taking steps forward in his spiritual journey. Until one day, the kid broke up with his girlfriend and decided it was just easier back before this Jesus stuff. And he decided to quit youth group, quit church, and he stopped responding to, the, to my friend's uh, texts and his phone calls. And he regressed. And my friend was devastated. He had just poured three years of his life into this boy, and this boy decided, it's just too hard going forward. I want to go back. And when I look at what Paul's experiencing here, I think my friend really could identify, because Paul is anguished. Look at that last verse he says in verse 11. What if somebody said this of you? I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. We all have Christian leaders in our lives, mothers, fathers, grandparents, teachers, pastors, 
All these people who have poured themselves into you, who have taught you, who have been your examples, your role models, who have pointed you to the cross over and over again. And what if they were to say of you one day, I'm afraid I just labored over you in vain because you abandoned everything to run away from the cross and go back. Well, I had another youth leader who had the same, a different kind of experience but saw something about going the wrong way. I was in the car with her. We were driving a van full of children to an event, and she turned the wrong way of a one-way street. And she realized this when about halfway down when she suddenly saw a wall of cars coming at her. And she's like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, get off the street as fast as possible would be a good start. And there was a median in the middle, so she drove up onto the median, and suddenly we're on top of a mountain in this big 16-person cargo van. And she turned to me and she said, never tell my husband about this, please. I'll never live it down. But we learned that day, and all the kids were like, this is so cool. I'm like, guys, it's never cool to be going the wrong way. You always want to go with traffic. Don't go the wrong way. We needed a sign. We missed the sign. The sign that said one-way street, arrow pointing this way. We needed somebody to hold their hands out and say, you're going the wrong way. Turn around now. And that's what Paul's doing. Paul isn't shaming them and saying, you guys, you know, forget you and throwing everything up and walking away. He's saying, guys, I've poured years of my life into you. Don't do this for me. Do it for Jesus. But I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Turn around. Don't make my efforts worthless and in vain. Don't make Christ's love and his grace to you in vain. Live for him. Turn around. You're going the wrong way. But why do we do that? Why do we regress into our old sinful habits? Why do we go the wrong way down a street once in a while in our lives? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I think sometimes we look back, and yes, it's comfortable. It's familiar. The sin that used to have a hold on your life, you shake it off. Every once in a while, it comes around, comes calling again. And sometimes you want to let it in for old time's sake. And you just let, you know, you're just a visit. But you get a taste of that. And suddenly you want a lot more. Or you might see the rest of the world engaging in this old pattern of life that you used to have. And you go like, yeah, I miss being part of that. Everybody else is doing it. Maybe I should do it too again. I want to be, you know, I want to experience that. And you kind of forget that you have a new community. You have a new life. You have a new body. You have a new purpose. And you go, I want want my old one back. It's like the snake trying to slither itself back into its old snake skin when it's long since shed it. Maybe you look back and you go, I miss being in charge instead of God. This following God thing can be really tough sometimes. I liked it when I could call the shots every day. When I just lived my life my way. I had this illusion of control. There's a, a great church father, Augustine. And if you ever read his story, you know that he came out of a life of immense debauchery and sin. You name a sin, this guy probably did it many times over. And he came out of this. He became a Christian. And he was writing about Augustine's Confessions, one of the greatest works of literature in Christian history. And in this book, he's talking about the struggle that sin still had on his life, the hold sin still had, that was always pulling him back. And he said these habits 
wanted to come and call to me. He said, even though, as Paul wrote here, I knew they were weak. I knew they were worthless, this way I used to live, these patterns of life. I still feel like they have a hold on me. And he wrote this. He said, habit was too strong for me when it asked, do you think you can live without me? Do you think you can live without me? I'm your habits. I'm what made you feel good. I'm what, what made you feel fulfilled. You can't live without me. Have Jesus in a part of your life, but have me in the rest. Well, whenever we're tempted to yank our lives down the wrong way of a one-way street, whenever those old habits come calling and say, you can't live without me, we need to re- remember all of the people who have poured themselves into our lives. We need to remember, as we will in a minute, when we celebrate the Lord's table, the sacrifice that Christ did on the cross. He did not do that so that we could taste him, a life in him, a freedom in him. And they say, you know what? I'm going back. I'm going back to how I used to live. Nobody wants to see you turn around and go back. So instead, we press on. Even though it's hard even though it's unknown, even though as the Halloween sign says, it's scary, so turn back now. And we go, no, because forward is worthwhile. Our best days lie ahead of us rather than behind. There's a game, it's a really fun game, that we used to play with our youth group called A Little Bit More. What you do is you arm, you split everybody in a couple teams, a few teams. You give everybody a paperclip, maybe some of you have played this. And you go door to door. You knock on the door. You say, first of all, I'm not selling anything. Second of all, I have this item. And you start with a paperclip. Do you have anything in your house that you'll give me that's a little bit bigger and a little bit better? It's a fun game. You'll start off with a paperclip. Then you'll get a pencil. Go to the next house. Anything a little bit bigger, a little bit better. And they'll, you know, they'll go like a rummage sale. If they don't have a rummage sale at the church, they'll give you something to get rid of. And so suddenly you end up with like big things, the ugliest lamp you've ever seen. A go-kart. Like, you can go house to house to house, and it gets crazier, the number of things. And then the fun of the game is you come back, and you see who got the biggest and best thing. We've had people end up with crazy sorts of things. I saw a guy on YouTube do this. He said over 30 days, he was exchanging up from a paperclip. He ended up, and I kid you not, with a house. Like, a house and land that he actually had the deed signed over to him. That's when he kept asking a little bit bigger, a little bit better. But the key of the game is this. You never want to downgrade. You never want to go back. You never start with the house and say, can I have something a little bit less and a little bit less that's worth less than I have right now? When we got Christ as our Savior, we traded up from the most worthless life imaginable to the best life possible. We got the bigger and better. And we don't need to downgrade. We need to hold on, not to our filthy rags, but to the cloaks of righteousness that Christ gave us. So in verse 9 here, Paul reminds him, he says, when you, knew, when you got to know God, rather, when God knew you, when he knew you, he's talking about being known by God, coming in to Christ's inner circle, to being adopted by Christ. He says, at this point, God knew you. In an intimate sense, in a marital sense, God did the work. He said he sought you out. He called you into his family. And now he knows you personally. He loves you. He wants to do everything possible to give you the best possible future of your life. 
So stick with him. Because you know who doesn't know you in a caring and loving way? Your sinful habits. They don't know you, really know you, the way God does. Your old life doesn't know you. Your fake gods that are out there don't really have your best intentions at heart. But now you've traded up. Your name is engraved on God's heart. Your name is written in the book of life. There's nothing better or bigger that you could have. He adores you without condition. There's not a day that goes by that you could do something. God says, well, now I'm going to love you a little bit less because you were picking your nose and nobody was looking. But I saw. Now, now I love you less. No. He loves you without condition. He cares for you. He provides for you. He bends all of history for his church, which you are now part of. And he has an inheritance that we talked about last week, waiting for you, eternal life, an eternal father, an eternal home, an eternal family. These things are great. And so we learn our lesson today, and we learn that lesson over and over again about how disappointing it is when we have those days and we do regress into sin. Because we have these days. We have those weeks, sometimes longer, periods of time where we relapse. We need a Paul in our life to shake us and say, look at what you had and look at what you've gone back into. Don't regress. Move forward. You need to learn once again that God is worth placing your trust in because you forgot. You forgot the face of your father. Walk by faith, not by sight. That can be hard, but it is the better path. It is the only path to life. Helps us to understand that God is doing the seeing for us. When we had the kids leading everybody around, we had no idea where they were going to go. We had guesses, but we didn't know. Only the person in charge knew where they were going. The rest of us, we had to trust that they had our best interests at heart. And so it goes with God. He is taking us into a future full of purpose and full of satisfaction. So let's not turn back. Let's go forward in God's strength and pray for that today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, when temptation comes calling, when those habits are too strong for us, Lord, may we fall to your feet and say, Dear Lord Jesus, have mercy upon us. Help us not to fall away from you. Help us to follow where you are leading us, even when it is hard. Those days where we suffer and we don't understand why. The days when other people hate us because we are associated with you. The days when we are called to forgive and we don't want to. We are called to let go of a sin that we loved in our lives for your names. Lord, help us. Give us the strength to go forward. The strength to follow you. As David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are my guide. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, be our guide today in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. You can listen to other sermons on our website at noxepc.com forward slash sermons. To reach out to Knox Church or request prayer, send an email to pastor at noxepc.com. Write to us at Knox Church. 2595 Elmwood Avenue, Kenmore, New York 14217. 
Our YouTube channel can be found by searching for Knox Church Kenmore on YouTube. Thank you again for joining us.